Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about the most misunderstood, the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines. Now, this was the second podcast I recorded, and it actually has the most downloads out of any of my podcasts, and I felt like it was time to talk about it again, to give a refresher, because it really is freeing to understand where headaches and migraines are truly coming from because of this sort of despair and hopelessness that uh, our system has put people through when they they feel like they're an anomaly or they um, there is no hope for them, there's no answer for them. And so this podcast and what I talk about is as the neck being the source of pain and this loss of movement and understanding the mechanics of that and the injury that many, many people have and how that leads to headaches and migraines is very freeing. And so I want I want to go over that again. And I want to go through the nuts and bolts and I want to make sure you understand this whole process uh, so that, as we talked about last time, that it's uh, important for you to understand that so that you can communicate that to someone else. But I want to take a deep dive into it because it was my most downloaded podcast and I think it's worth reviewing. All right, so let's uh, let's start from the beginning. When someone has a head or neck injury of any type, so that's whiplash injury, that's uh, say you're, you're in gymnastics as a little kid and you're tumbling and you fall and you kind of hurt your neck. Let's say you have a concussion and a sports injury, like a football, soccer, whatever. I, I played soccer and I was hit in the head with the ball several times and had several concussions. And and with those concussions, with those whiplash injuries, with whatever sort of head or neck trauma, there is enough trauma to the neck that it results in a loss of movement oftentimes. So that initial injury will resolve, but there's sort of a sustained type of injury um, that leads to potentially scar tissue that develops. But um, the main thing is this loss of mobility. So that's that's one avenue. The second avenue is if your child, your son or daughter is is looking at their phone quite a bit. So we have this 12-pound head that sits on our neck. And if we put our head in certain positions that our neck is not able to sustain throughout the day, there will be this same result of loss of mobility to the upper part of the neck that comes about from repetition, repeated poor postures uh, for a long period of time. So increased stress, more than the neck wants for a longer period of time. So there's kind of two approaches to this, uh, the sort of trauma incident and the the type of injury that comes about just from increased stress over a long period of time. But it's not so important how it started. What's important is that now you have head or facial pain and we need to know that it is a neck problem. We need to understand the neck problem and then we need to fix it. And it doesn't necessarily matter how it started because the solution is typically the same. The solution is we need to address what specifically is not moving, and when it moves, you will feel better. So what's not moving? Well, when we think about the head and how we turn left and right, look up and down and and side bend, there is about 90 degrees of rotation, uh, and then when we look up and down, we should have about 10 degrees of motion through just the upper part of the neck. So the head sitting on the first bone, when you extend backwards, there should be maybe 20, 30 degrees of extension just between the head and the first bone. And when you nod forward, there should be about 10 degrees of motion between the head and that first bone. 
And most people are going to be stuck either in a neutral position or most people are extended backward just a little bit. And their head sitting on that first bone does not like to nod at all. So everyone who's listening to this, I want you to nod your head down. And you're thinking, well, I can nod my head. I can, I can do this. But when you're nodding, you're using the middle portion of your neck. You're not actually using your head sitting on that first bone. So it's not a normal movement pattern that the body's used to. It's found a way to compensate. And so what we need to do is we need to address the head sitting on the first bone and understand how much movement it has or how much movement it lacks and then what results from that loss of movement. Now the second area that we lose mobility is C1 and C2. Now if you've been to a chiropractor, they've probably educated you on the atlas and the axis or C1 and C2. They do look at this area a lot using x-ray. And when they do that, they're looking at alignment. So they're, they're looking at how the atlas uh, if it's shifted one way or the other in the alignment of the spine, how it matches up to what would be a normal posture or normal positioning of these different bones in the neck. Now, the atlas and the axis, so the axis has this thumb-like structure. So C2 has a thumb-like structure, and the atlas sits right on top of that. So the atlas is shaped kind of like a donut, for lack of a better uh, analogy here and it sits right on top of that thumb like structure and when you rotate it rotates on when you rotate your head it rotates on that thumb like structure which is called the dens and it rotates about 45 degrees or half of your rotation should come between the C1 and C2 the atlas and the axis all right now most people with headaches and migraines nearly everyone with headaches and migraines will have lost almost all of that rotation. When I when I have a patient that comes to see me for headaches or migraines, and let's say it's a left-sided migraine, I can almost guarantee you that the left C1, C2 rotation will be nearly gone. Or maybe it'll actually be so tight that it has it can't even get to a neutral position, so it'll be kind of stuck in a right rotation. And the other side will likely be restricted as well, but maybe not to the same extent. So maybe there'll be a little bit of motion, maybe five degrees or so. And that loss of movement has likely been there for years and years and years. So it's the head not being able to nod forward on the atlas. So the head on C1, that 10 degrees of nodding will be stuck. So picture this, your head is kind of stuck, extended back. And the atlas is usually shifted one way or the other. And if it's shifted one way or the other, it'll actually cause your head to want to rest with a slight tilt one to the right or to the left. Most people, it's a slight tilt to the right. So if you look at the mirror and uh, you have your head in a neutral position or maybe you're just standing still and you look at your husband or your wife or someone, uh, a friend or family member, and you ask them, what position is my head in? Is, is it in a neutral position or is it shifted one way or the other? And if they're honest with you, they might tell you, oh yeah, it shifted like a couple degrees to the right or a couple degrees to the left. Um, unless someone is specifically looking for this, though, it's not noticeable. But when, when you look around at people, uh, or maybe you're watching like TV, or just walking through the mall or, or Shields, which we just got when it's got a ton of people in it, look at how people stand. Look at how they position their head when they're, when they're just standing still or sitting still. I can almost guarantee you that you will start to notice people will have a, a gradual like side bend. And that's just because the head sitting on the atlas is probably shifted one way or the other. That's causing their neck to want to rest 
in that side bent position. And that really goes back to the tension that's developed and the loss of movement between the head and the first bone because it, it allows us to nod like this, but it also does a, a little side shifting. So when we side bend or tip one ear down uh, to the right or to the left, the atlas should shift a little bit to the right and to the left. So how the atlas interacts with the head is super important. And then the atlas sitting on the axis, there should be 45, 40 degrees, half of our ro rotation should be through um, just those two joints interacting. Most people have lost that completely. All right, so what that does, the implications of that, that increases the amount of stress through the lower part of the neck. So the reason people can listen to my podcast or can go their entire life and not think like, oh, I have a neck problem is because they can probably still move their neck uh, most of the way, and that's because our body's compensating. It finds different ways to complete this motion. So when we turn our head to the left or to the right, most of that movement's going to come from the middle portion of the neck because the upper part of the neck has lost its ability to do that. It's it's not able to rotate or extend or flex like it originally was intended to do. And typically that has gone on for a long time. Now, there are a lot of people that have lost this movement but are doing relatively okay. So they don't have headaches all the time. They don't have migraines all the time. And actually, I'm one of these people. My neck is very tight. Uh, and like I said, it's from multiple soccer injuries, concussions, uh, trauma to my head, these whiplash-type injuries that I've sustained. And I didn't really think much of them. One, because I was not educated in this. I was just going through high school, college, not thinking about my neck, not understanding the importance of my neck and the movements in the upper part. But it also, it wasn't necessarily something that stuck, like the pain associated with that particular injury did not stick with me. So I just kind of forgot about it. I felt like I recovered. Um, but what's happened is over time, that loss of movement increases stress and it increases stress and the stress builds and builds and builds. And these muscles that are trying to move these joints are fatigued, they're worn out, they're tired. And so when they get tired, they develop these trigger points. And trigger points are really just knots in the muscle. And that knot is different fibers of that muscle that are just kind of balled up, they're contracted. And they don't want to release. It's, it's kind of a protective response that the muscle goes through. And it restricts blood flow, and it can be painful. A true trigger point will actually refer pain. So the muscle itself responding to this joint restriction will refer pain or can refer pain itself. So the joint itself has ligaments that are holding it together. And those ligaments are kind of adapting to this new shortened position and be, because it's not moving through its full range of motion. So the ligaments are like, okay, well, this is the new normal. So we're just going to like shorten uh, because we don't have to move any more than this. And and the, the ligaments itself creates this sort of capsule around the joint, and that can get irritated and inflamed. So the joint itself can be a source of pain, but these muscles responding to this loss of movement within the joint can also be a source of pain. And oftentimes the muscles are more sensitive than the joint itself. And so that pain uh, will feel like it's coming from the muscles. And so we'll kind of like rub this upper part of our neck, backside of our head, and, and we'll want to like dig in there to release muscle tension, which is not a bad thing. Muscles actually respond to deep pressure, that trigger point. When we put pressure on it, that trigger point will actually release and it'll improve blood flow. And uh, the reason for that 
is pressure on a muscle is sort of seen as like danger and it will respond by relaxing because your pressure on the muscle is potentially going to harm it more than the trigger point being tight and so it'll kind of give up and the trigger point will release and it'll improve blood flow. Now the problem is, so like if you go see a massage therapist and it's a great massage therapist and they work through the upper part of your neck and they reduce the amount of tension, you will likely feel better. But the reason that the pain will come back is because the joints themselves are still not moving. And when the joints don't move, those muscles will try to get rotation. They'll try to get this flexion extension out of the upper part of the neck because the muscles think that the joints should still move. Uh, but when the joints don't move, those muscles get fatigued. And those muscles being fatigued is what's going to throw you back into this facial head pain, uh, which we know as a headache or a migraine, if it's severe enough. All right, so that's the process of loss of movement leading to, to muscle tension, irritation in this area, and then a pain signal is sent. Now, what happens... So why don't we just have neck pain? Why doesn't everyone with this problem just have neck pain? Now, a lot of people do, but for the most part, the reason headaches and migraines are so confusing is because it sends pain into your head or your face. So what happens is our body has this uh, pain pathway. So it's a sensory nerve. So it, it's a nerve that carries sensation from the upper part of the neck. So from the base of your head, to the third cervical vertebrae, so C1, C2, C3, so this area we're talking about, there's a sensory nerve that travels through the brainstem. Now, the brainstem is just sort of like all of these different nerve pathways meeting up into different nuclei or a nucleus. And so there's a nucleus in the brainstem that's called the trigeminal cervical nucleus, and it meets up and sort of combines all these different uh, signals from the upper part of the neck and it actually brings signals from the trigeminal nerve which is carrying branches from the face kind of the forehead the eye and then the cheek or jaw and so our facial sensations travel through the trigeminal nerve and our sensations from the upper part of our neck travel to the same nucleus so the trigeminal cervical nucleus from that nucleus that pain signal is sent up into the brain and into our cortex and then we actually realize what's happening now this is the fascinating thing about pain and this is why people with headaches and migraines have struggled so much to find a solution so when we actually realize what's happening when it hits our cerebral cortex and our brain acknowledges that there is a problem it is confusing where the problem is coming from so can we trust that if we have pain behind our eye, pain in our temple, debilitating throbbing pain all over our head, attention type pain in our temples, can we trust that there is a problem with our eye, with our temples, with our head, with our forehead? The answer is no, we can't trust that. We can do CT scans, we can do MRI scans, we can uh, do an x-ray and we can look at our head. But I can almost guarantee you that they will not find anything. And you're probably listening to this thinking, oh, yeah, that's true. They did the MRI. They did the CT scan. And they didn't find anything because they're looking for a problem in your head. They're looking for a problem that matches the exact pain signal. Maybe you go see an ophthalmologist. Maybe you see an ENT because you have ear pressure or ear fullness or because your ear hurts. Now, any of these types of pain 
any of these pain patterns that present, any head or facial pain, is likely to be sourced from the neck. The reason I say that is one, the most likely area that can cause this pain signal that's most likely to be injured is the neck. We have our 12 pound head that sits on a very mobile part of our neck and that mobility leaves it kind of vulnerable to injuries. Now the way we live our lives means that we're not doing our necks any favors and so most people are likely to sustain some type of injury to their neck. So the most likely scenario is not that you have a tumor growing in your head or a tumor behind your eye or a, um, a, a blood vessel or whatever in your head that could be causing. The most likely scenario is that your neck is the problem and that it's sending a pain signal through that trigeminal cervical nucleus and it's hitting your cerebral cortex and you're understanding it as head or facial pain because your brain doesn't know where to attribute it from. And so it's very confusing for the patient and this is something that providers have a hard time understanding is how can you have like a visual disturbance? How can you have pain that's, that's a throbbing sensation and that be a neck problem? Because the brain is interpreting something that it thinks is happening. Now, if the brain thinks something is happening, whether that's reality or not, what you experience will feel it consistent with what the brain thinks is happening. And so pain is subjective, meaning we can't trust that what it's telling us is reality. And so if it thinks that your visual input is off, if there's stress placed through your neck enough and that sensory input to your brain is strong enough, it can actually disrupt your visual input. It can disrupt your facial sensation. It can disrupt the amount of pain that you experience in your head or your face. It can be pain behind your eye and it can feel like an eye problem. And so we have to rule out what is the most likely scenario. And I would argue the most likely scenario is this neck problem. The great thing about that is when it's a neck problem, we can treat it. The problem and why migraines can be so challenging to treat is because we're not treating them early enough. We're not evaluating this and diagnosing it and getting patients into the hands of the right provider early enough. All we're doing is looking for that that tumor or that uh, brain bleed or we're looking for the one-off diagnosis and then we're prescribing medication when we don't find that thing. And then the patient is just led thinking they have to take medications for the rest of their life when what we should be doing is in the first month, six weeks, two months of someone getting this type of pain, we should be educating people that it's a neck problem most likely and that they can receive treatment to resolve that neck problem. I was talking with someone last night and I was saying how if I could get a hold of people early on within the first month or two of their symptoms, my percentage of success with treating this would go up dramatically. Um, the problems arise, the complications arise when the pain is able to just be there for long term. Um, and actually, we, we know that certain medications will cause this rebound headache or it, the medication itself will cause a headache. And so we need to treat the pain from the source of the problem, which is likely to be the neck. And we need to keep the brain from getting used to this pain pattern because the longer it goes on, the harder it is to treat. And then we need to only use medication when uh, it is absolutely needed and when we have ruled out the neck or when we have already gone through those conservative approaches. But what's happening now is we don't even tell patients that there is a conservative approach. We don't tell them that the neck is even a possibility. 
And so they go through their life just thinking medication is the only option. The medication is usually not very helpful, or if it is, it has other side effects that are terrible. Um, or maybe the patient just doesn't want to take medication because they value their health and they know that medication is not health. Medication and intervening with pharmaceuticals is not health. That's just kind of masking symptoms. That's putting something artificial in your body so that it changes your response to something that's still underlying as a problem. So there you go. There's there's the passion I have behind this, and hopefully that helps you understand it better. Um, but I, I want to drive this into you guys because if you can understand that the neck is the actual problem, start talking about this, start telling your providers, start talking to friends and family members. Um, I think we can really see a change in our healthcare industry. And uh, hopefully by the end of my career, we start to see people um, understand this, have providers in their area that can treat this, um, people going to the right provider right away. And who knows, maybe headaches and migraines won't be this this uh, this debilitating um, high percentage of, of time lost at work, high percentage of people um, addicted to, to medication uh, or just losing time with family and friends. And because I can almost guarantee you, if you're listening to this, you probably have headaches or migraines or you know someone that has headaches or migraines. And it is a very, very common problem that I think we can solve. I Again, this is the Headache Doctor podcast. It's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Hope you found today's podcast helpful. Be sure to stay tuned. Um, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, write me a review as that will help me grow and uh, get the word out. And please share this information uh, with someone you know that it may be helpful for. Thanks for listening. <music>